This is Toronto Today with Greg Brady. Toronto's news, today's talk. 640 Toronto. And there were two things that happened in the city of Toronto yesterday that clearly people are going to be talking about this morning. And there were two rallies. One was a two o'clock rally um, that I would call pro the state of Palestine. And that happened at uh, Nathan Phillips Square. And that moved around like like a march. And it got to the Israeli consulate. And I have thoughts on that. And the uh, gathering that was denounced, by the way, by uh, Mayor Olivia Chow. Was that a surprise move that she'd announced it? I was more, I I wasn't shocked, but I was more surprised. If you had shaken me awake at six in the morning yesterday in the uh, lovely uh, white duvet cover of a queen size hotel bed and you said, hey, wake up. I'd be like, what are you doing in here? But I'd say, hey, wake up. Do you think Olivia Chow is going to denounce the planned rally for uh, for for Powell? See, again, there were people there that were showing up to uh, rally for Palestinian independence. And there may have been people showing up that were celebrating what Saturday's vicious and bloodthirsty attacks were. How would you separate the two if you're marching quietly and carrying a a Palestinian flag? It's very, very difficult. By the way, I'm not going to split hairs on this. There'd be people at Mel Lastman Square at 7 o'clock going, I feel so terrible that this has happened to Israel. Israel was attacked on, on, on multiple fronts. Again, by sea, by land. Uh, for the paratroopers and the uh, and the hang gliders via air as well. And there'd be people saying, I feel terrible about this. I want to rally around our people. I want to, you know, I've been there. I have relatives there. I'm horrified at this. And there might be people at that rally at seven o'clock last night that are hoping that everybody in Gaza gets bombed back to the Stone Age. And that's How would you know? So we got a lot to get into this morning, and we have a lot of questions that hang over this particular attack. Are are they further away from a lasting peace? I would say yes. Does the violence really ramp up and intensify over the next few days? I would also say yes. Um, This is a conflict that's been going on since our grandparents were uh, little kids. And it's no close. There's been stops and respites and solutions, but it's no closer to being saved. And Toronto, especially, I think is an epicenter of what this conflict could be. So I'll just say that we have to keep our heads about uh, the conversations we have and we have to keep our heads over uh, about the actions we uh, share with each other and the emphasis on them that we share with each other, because it is needs to stay at a certain level. Um, uh, again, you can you can be of two minds. You can walk and chew gum at the same time. You can want a two-state solution. You can want the Palestinians to have their independence. You can argue they've been brutalized for decades, and you can't possibly support, can't possibly support uh, Hamas and their actions on Saturday. There's no moral equivalency here for those actions. They're different. They're different in this conflict, and they rose up quite a distinct level. This is Toronto Today with Greg Brady. Toronto's news, today's talk. 640 Toronto. I can't think of too many households, regardless of who you are, 
what you believe in, what your ideology might be, what your utter indifference to ideology might be. I can't imagine there were too many family gatherings where what happened Saturday in Israel wasn't discussed to a great extent. And what I'm referring to is a terrorist attack by the documented terrorist group Hamas, the Islamic resistance movement. And again, the Middle East, I always say this, and you've probably heard me say this a couple of times. There's two things you don't take to a backyard barbecue. Your takes on on uh, on abortion and your takes on the Middle East. You won't win friends. You won't change anybody's mind over the course of a night. And by the way, they won't change yours. I think if opinions on all this stuff can evolve over time with data, with facts, with all the rest. But you generally don't bring it into somebody else's house. I've watched this. So I've watched this with my parents. I've watched this even with my own life where you kind of sometimes have to step up and say some things. And the question is often timing. And Saturday, this Hamas attack that featured motorcycles and Jeeps and the penetration basically through this Israeli wall of protection, including hang gliders, just parachuting in and landing. And then committing mayhem, violence, murder, rape, all of it has definitely rattled all of us to our core. All of us. And then on Saturday, it becomes problematic when there's that discussion that's a the greater picture of the Middle East. And again, we say this a lot on, on the show, too. Two things can be true. You can walk and chew gum at the same time. It has tremendous, tremendous conflict. Even these rallies yesterday, which I'm going to get to in just a little bit. Here's uh, the Israeli Prime Minister, Benjamin Netanyahu, who many Israelis, if you haven't noticed, have been marching in the streets, wanting him to go. He's too right wing. He's too aggressive. He's too against the peace process. All that falls by the wayside after Saturday, so it would seem. Here's the Israeli Prime Minister. The entire world knows Hamas is ISIS, and we will eliminate it in exactly the same manner that the enlightened world eliminated ISIS. That's the world we're in right now, is Saturday. If you didn't go to bed Saturday understanding there was going to be a massive military response from Israel, so much so that the UN Security uh, Council has already told them, look, you can fight back. You can defend yourself. What you can't do is breach the code of war and shut power off for people and shut water supply off for people. But Gaza is so complicated because Hamas has embedded themselves there. This terrorist group that many Palestinians, many people in the Arab world, many Muslims reject and say, don't look at me. Don't want anything to do with it. The same as a white person would do with a group of white supremacists. The same as anybody would do with a terrorist group that was growing in their country, festering in their country. So it's got its problems. That's for sure. We're going to bring this closer to home and talk about the Toronto rallies Two very contrasting situations. And if you missed it, what happened with Olivia Chow last night at Mel Lastman Square is something I know we're going to be talking about. And all the shows will be on 640 Toronto all morning long. Here's the British Prime Minister Rishi Sunak. So far, they've counted 27 dead um, from the United Kingdom in Israel, either visiting, either uh, dual residents or living there. Here's the prime minister at a vigil for Israel last night. 
I wanted to come here tonight to stand with you in solidarity, in Israel's hour of need. As the Prime Minister of this country, I am unequivocal. The people who support Hamas are fully responsible for this appalling attack. They are not militants. They are not freedom fighters. They are terrorists. Context to this is everything. It's everything. If you grew up with your parents having the television on in the house in the late 1970s, early 80s, um, conflict in the Middle East was inevitable. It was there were going to be moments of horror. There were going to be moments where you thought that side of this conflict is has gone way, way, way too far. That was going to happen. That was inevitable. And we certainly have had another case in that on Saturday. Um, the, the attack has terrified people living in Israel. And I think it's terrified Jewish people as well. There's no question it's terrified Jewish people living in the United States, living in Canada. Here's how the Prime Minister of Canada, Justin Trudeau, addressed this. He was at a rally for Israel in Ottawa last night. First, let me begin by being absolutely clear. Canada, unequivocally and in the strongest possible terms, condemns these terrorist attacks perpetrated by Hamas. We stand with Israel and reaffirm our support for Israel's right to defend itself in accordance with international law. So let me be very clear. Hamas terrorists aren't a resistance. They're not freedom fighters. They are terrorists. And no one in Canada should be supporting them, much less celebrating them. Now, I know the criticism that's there for Justin Trudeau on a lot of fronts, but it's difficult to criticize that statement. Here's where I think some people will be able to hit him with with the criticism. It was Monday night by the by the time he said that. And it wasn't Saturday afternoon and it wasn't Saturday evening and it wasn't at all on Sunday. I think, and and it'll be a running theme, believe me, this morning, there's too many politicians that are going to get on their keyboard, work with their PR staff, work with their handlers, and send out what they think is the perfect tweet. Remember how Donald Trump had the perfect phone call with uh, Vladimir Zelensky way, way, way back when, 2018? Um, There's people that want the perfect tweet. And on Saturday, many failed miserably on that front. Important context, too. Two years ago, Canada provided $25 million dollars to Palestinian civilians in the Gaza Strip and the West Bank. And that went to organizations that helped the most vulnerable cope after conflicts, cope after military uh, operations by the country of Israel. You're not going to get me here sitting here to say Hamas are terrorists, and you're not going to have me ignore the brutality at times chasing those said terrorists of just saying, we'll, we'll handle as much collateral damage as we can handle in the, in the Gaza Strip. We're good with it. Because at times, Netanyahu's government has been so much so that the Israeli people themselves, seven, eight months ago, rallied in the streets. They went by the tens of thousands into the streets and said, we've had enough of this prime minister. We can't take it anymore. We're getting further away from a solution. For those Israelis that wanted a solution. Again, nobody falls under the same umbrella all the time. Israelis, Palestinians, Asian people, black people, white people. We don't all get in a room and go, 
What's our plan today? It doesn't work that way. It never has, and it never could. Now, quick, I got about a minute here on Olivia Chow. Yesterday, two things in the city. If you're catching up on this news, there was a rally for Palestine at 2 o'clock in uh, Nathan Phillips Square. They marched through the city. It went off without incident, although Mayor Chow, three hours prior to that, denounced the rally, said it doesn't belong here, said it fuels hate, said, I don't want it in our city. But there's very little. We're going to talk to Mark Saunders, the former Toronto police chief at 650, and he's going to explain as a police chief why this is so important to keep a lid on these type of things, but also why it's so difficult to shut these things down. No matter what you see, no matter what you hear, the last thing police want is to get goaded into a scenario with protesters of any stripe, of any ilk, of any ideology. But this is Olivia Chow taking the stage last night at Mel Lastman Square, and she didn't get a positive response. The mayor of Toronto, Olivia Chow. My friends, and I understand in this moment of darkness why you would be angry. Okay, we'll play you a little bit more from Chow a little later on in the show. We'll leave it here. But suffice to say, I'm worried that her tweet over the weekend, she didn't send a great second tweet. There was a lot of moral equivalency about the conflict, and there's nothing but moral equivalency about this conflict. It has never been black and white. It has never not been without a tremendous amount of angst and suffering on both sides and gray area. But I'm not sure Saturday was the day for any politician, for any leader, for anybody even in the media, to try and make that equivalency. I think if they tried on Saturday, more likely than not, they failed. This is Toronto Today with Greg Brady. Toronto's news, today's talk. 640 Toronto. Bob Ray is, of course, the former uh, premier of this country and the current ambassador and permanent representative to the United Nations, and he's kind enough to give us some of his time this morning on 640 Toronto. Bob, I always enjoy having you on the show, uh, but our, our hearts are pretty heavy right now with what happened over the weekend, aren't they? Yes, very. I I think you. I, mean, I just heard what you said about it's hard to keep emotion out of it. It's uh, it's <laughs> it's very hard, and it, I think it it in my case it I have to because it's my job. But mm-hmm. uh, as a human being, I just uh, I'm just devastated by what's uh, by what's happened, and and also by what's happening because I think that uh, what that that of uh, those events on. Saturday and Sunday we have unleashed is um, is really really hard to control and really hard to to uh, to get to the other side. So it's uh, it's it's very difficult. I worry about. I'm sure you do too. I feel like we've had a conversation about extremism in politics, and we've got an extremism now. I even think with the Middle East conflict, Bob, that we didn't have in 1982, and and we had emotion about it, and we had energy about it, and people have lost friendships and families have have split apart over it. I, I worry there's a bunch of us in the middle thinking, can we keep this together in Canada? We have friends in Israel, Gaza, the West Bank, Lebanon. Can we keep this together somehow? Are you hopeful that we can? Well, I think that's something we all have to work on. Um, you're right. Um, I always say that, you know, Canada is very much in the world and the world is very much in Canada. Uh, we have become over a long period of time, an international country uh, whose makeup uh, 
is of people who've come to Canada from all over the world. And so inevitably, when there are tensions in the world, whether it's in Ukraine or, or uh, any in Middle East, mm-hmm. wherever it is, it impacts directly on Canadians. And I think all of us um, have been you know, very troubled by the reaction of some people in this country to what's taken place. Um, it should be possible to feel empathy, uh, deep sympathy, and a profound sense of loss uh, in the face of human tragedy, wherever it happens, without uh, simply saying, well, I don't care about those people, I only care about my people. And and I think that's something which um, everyone in a leadership position in Canada has has a responsibility to try and overcome. I've been spending quite a lot of time on the phone mm-hmm. with, with with those people, with people who are saying, what can we do to bring people together? And we're fortunate to have leaders who are trying to do that, uh, but we have to understand that uh, it's going to take a lot of a lot of real effort for us to overcome it. Uh, Hamas is beyond extremism. Uh, what I think we've seen is is the, the the when 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 fanaticism is let loose, uh, it literally doesn't care about about human life at all. Um, but I also think that it's very important to distinguish between Hamas as a as a cult and the Palestinian people. Uh, I, I have many, many long-standing Palestinian friends who are living all over the world, and, and some still in in the Middle East and Palestine. And I I think it's important for us to to do everything we can to reach out to yeah. uh, members of all communities because we can't afford to to ignore that that all of us are human and all of us have a right to live in peace. Uh, but what's happened, what Hamas has done, is is going to bring a a uh, a very very strong response, and and that's 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 not that's not something one should be surprised by or say, oh my goodness, I you know we had no idea the response would be this tough. Well, it, it is not possible for people to respond to what's happened. No, no. And, and, and even level of violence can't happen. And, and, and Ambassador, even the U.N. Secretary General yesterday said, we understand Israel has a right to defend itself, but they must still embrace the codes of of war. That And that is not to put innocent civilians in in basically in the crosshairs. It's not to shut off humanitarian means, whether it's water, whether it's energy. Again, it's got this has just been a cycle of violence for decades, and it's got so many complexities to it. It's almost impossible to explain to somebody who doesn't know about it. Well, that's right. It's true. I mean, I think it's 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 one of the longest standing um, disputes uh, in the world. Um, it's it, people say it's been going on for since you know since such and such a date, and I say, well, actually, the struggle has been going on for for over a hundred years, and it's important for us to to understand the the nature of the conflict and and why it is it has become so existential. We've tried, Canada has tried, the UN has tried to create various formulas, ways of, of describing uh, two peoples living together in the same geographical territory. But uh, there, there are, unfortunately, um, extremists uh, who feel that 
the other side doesn't have any any right to uh, to a place, and that I think is becoming hard to uh, hard harder and harder to overcome. Um, the other thing is language. I think when people describe other people as animals or uh, as monsters, uh, we, we need to understand that 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 language takes us down a route that has no exit, and uh, we've all got to take a step back and say, mm. no, Palestinians are not animals. Uh, Hamas is a terrorist group. The Palestinians are human beings. The Jews are human beings. The Israelis are human beings. And the Israelis have a right to exist in the Middle East. No one has a right to say that Israel can't exist at all. There can be no Israel. Uh, and Hamas is, the premise of Hamas is that Israel does not have a right to exist. There is a there is something called they call the Zionist entity, which they regard as illegitimate and should not be allowed to survive. Yeah, and and that ideology is what gives rise to the to the ability of people to um, to brutalize others, to murder people, and to, to to commit atrocities against them, and to not care about the fact that these are these are innocent civilians who have a right to be where they are. We're hopeful that this goes in uh, in a positive direction. Worried that it won't. Hopeful that it does. Uh, your words are so important. Thank you very much for the time this morning. I hope we can check in on with you again. We're all we're all watching this conflict um, with really heavy hearts. Thank you for this this morning. Thank you, Greg. It's uh, it's it's good to be with you, and I appreciate the opportunity. And take take good care. We will. Ambassador Bob Ray uh, joining us. Uh, he's Canada's ambassador to the United Nations, former Ontario Premier. This is Toronto Today with Greg Brady. Toronto's news. Today's talk. Six forty, Toronto. April Engelberg uh, joins us right now, as she often does uh, at this time. She's former uh, former candidate for City Council, and uh, we love talking to her about Toronto stuff. W- tell me what the weekend was like for you. Give us a lens into your universe. We're supposed to Friday night get done the work week, celebrate Thanksgiving, be be with people we care about. Saturday morning comes and it all kinds of shit kind of shifts, doesn't it? Definitely. So I'm proud to be Jewish. I'm a proud Jewish Canadian. It was definitely a difficult weekend for us, for sure. There's many different elements of it, but a lot of people have either friends or family to check in with in Israel. It was the most Jewish people that died in a single day since the Holocaust. You know, we, I'm sure a lot of your listeners saw the terrible footage of, you know, 260 people killed at a music festival, um, people taken as hostage, women and children, um, people going house, terrorists, Hamas terrorists going house to house, just killing people. So it's, it was just very upsetting, definitely. And it was, as I mentioned, a difficult weekend to be a Canadian Jewish person. Were the conversations sad and angry? Like, uh, like telling us what you can <laughs> while keeping some of your private family yeah. business private. What, what, what was the tone? And I'm sure the tone shifts, doesn't um, it? I, I, don't, I would just say it was just a, a lot of just processing what was going on. I, uh, and as I mentioned, a lot, a lot of people that you know will have people to check in on. So, you know, asking yeah. friends if they have any family there, if they have any friends there, if they're okay. Um, so it, it was definitely difficult. Um, and, you know, I want to say that I'm sure it's also been a difficult weekend for people in Canada with ties to Palestinians as well. I want to acknowledge that. It's it is. Um, there's no question about it. I, I I thought about the rallies too, and you and I touched on them briefly yesterday when we chatted. Um, there was a two o'clock rally 
um, a rally for Palestine, and at seven, and that was at Nathan Phillips Square, and a seven o'clock rally that Mayor Chow and Premier Ford attended. Um, for that was there was more pro-Israel, and I don't. I, I know there were people hoping on one side of this equation um, that the rally at two o'clock could be shut down April, but I, I don't know what stops them. I we have to allow freedom of, yeah. of assembly and right to protest, and. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think you could have people, you could have people showing up with a Palestinian flag thinking, I want to advocate for the Palestinians to have their own state, but I utterly reject the the, the violence and, and, and the massacre that took place on Saturday. But it's kind of, a, it's dangerous to be misunderstood in that context. What What's your thought on, the, we are, we're a big international city having these rallies. So what I would say is it just comes down to the laws in these specific circumstances. So under the charter section to be, there is a right to protest. And obviously it's a, it's a right to have a peaceful protest. And obviously there's some limits on it, but in general, you saw even during the pandemic, people were protesting. So there's that, but at the same time, hate speech and hate crimes are banned under the criminal code. So even though, for example, both Chow and Ford, and I'm sure many other politicians across the country came out and said, quote, I denounce the rallies or Chow said, you know, this what there was no that the city didn't approve it or there wasn't a permit or whatnot. The reality is there there is no necessary permit to protesting Mm -hmm. in Toronto. So all that they could do in that situation was what was done, which they said that they denounced it. They denounced it. And they also said any uh, there would be police present for any hate speech. But there is, there is a right to protest in Canada. That's yeah, what I would say to that. Yeah, and I and I'd make the case too. There'd be people going. Wouldn't you? Could I make the case there'd be people going to Mel Lastman Square saying, "I'm a proud Jewish person. I'm a proud um, descendant of Israel, or my parents were born there, or, or whatever it is," and I'm showing up. And and I I've never been a fan of Benjamin Netanyahu. I've never been a fa- like you, again. We're all exactly. we don't all just get in the same room. And all think all the same things all the time because we're we're Palestinian, we're Jewish, we're Muslim, we're we're Israeli. It does not work that way. Definitely, and I think that that's a good point. That there's many Canadian Jewish people that are supporting the Jew the people in Israel, but they're not supporting Netanyahu. And I'm I'm sure that there are people that have ties to Palestine, people in the Gaza Strip and whatnot that that are not supporting Hamas. We have to acknowledge that as well. Um, would this be difficult for, I, I often think with people being younger, if if you were 12 years old, if you were 16 years old, would this be a more difficult day to go to school? I've talked to a couple parents and mm-hmm. they're a little on edge going to school today. Um, though, though we oh. hope for the best, we sometimes, um, we fear the worst. How would you feel about it? That's a good question. I, I think I that I I don't want to say anything and put anything bad out there. Mm-hmm. I, I I think in Canada we live in a safe place, and I I would not be concerned to go to school. I know you saw this story too, and I I want to dive into it if we can for about ninety seconds. Is this story about drinking in parks in the city um, among your uh, ideas that I embrace? You were somebody that said for a long time. Yeah, I think we can handle, especially during the pandemic, a glass of wine, meeting on a park bench and having an alcoholic beverage. We just wrapped up this pilot project yesterday. It went from August 2nd to October 9th. 
and April, two complaints, two related to alcohol in parks in the 27 parks across Toronto where people were allowed to drink. A, I'd like to read the complaints. Really would. Um, (laughs) Those are probably my neighbors anyway. And B, what's your thought on the fact that this went so flawlessly? Definitely. So a part of my campaign for city council was pretty much this advocating finally for pilot project for allowing public drinking in city parks. Um, I think it's great. I think the pilot should be expanded because at this point it's only in certain parks. Um, But it's just a no brainer. It's, it's one of the things that I really tried to explain to people during the pandemic is that in my wards, but I'm Fort York, 94% of people don't have backyards. So if people were having people over in their own backyard to have a drink here, what you would do is you would meet up in Trinity Bellwoods and you would have a drink. Mm-hmm. And there was, there was nothing there. There were not bad consequences. It was just business as usual because people were already doing it. Um, it's just a matter of equity and letting people uh, responsibly mm-hmm. enjoy a beer in a park. Seems like, yeah, it seems like there mo- hopefully there won't be much resistance um, in expanding this project out. Um, I, I got 20 seconds. Do you think there will be, or do you think the, the, the data should speak for itself um, here? I think some councillors are, are not going to, are not going to vote in favor of it. And I, I, I'm assuming that some councillors are going to vote to just, you know, keep it in those specific parks or something. We'll, we'll see how that plays mm-hmm. out. I mean, even if they only allow it in those parks, that would be a win, but I think it should be allowed in more areas of Toronto for sure. April Engelberg, thanks so much for the time this morning and uh, and sharing not not just uh, your insight on on all these issues, but uh, uh, part of your story from the weekend as well. I appreciate it. Thanks so much. Have a good day. You bet. This is Toronto Today with Greg Brady. Toronto's news. Today's talk. 640 Toronto. Let's zero in right now on those security issues. And we do that with former Toronto Police Chief Mark Saunders. It is great to have you on. Thanks for getting up early for us. Yeah, no problem, Greg. Good morning. Uh, good morning. I mentioned those security issues, and um, I, I'm not sure that any police chief, at least in sort of those 2023 tensions that we have, especially with rallies involving um, different opinions of where to go with the Middle East, that makes things very, very complicated for police. What's the job of a police chief on a day like yesterday, Mark? Well, I'll, I'll tell you, it is a, a moving part. It is continuously fluid each and every minute. But the one saving grace is there is always a plan. And what a lot of people don't know is that we recognize that Toronto is one of the most diverse cities in the world. And with that comes its complexities. And one of them is that we have to have resources, intelligence resources, that are scanning the world on a daily basis, 24 hours a day, to understand if something happens in any part of the world Does it have impact on the city of Toronto? And if it does, what resources are needed? What collaboration is needed? What plan needs to be put together? And and yesterday was a a textbook example of of that very way in which the machine works. It it seemed to go without um, without incident. Um, The two o'clock rally for Palestine closer to the downtown core did the seven o'clock one. um, The pro-Israel one in North York certainly did. Are there any different instructions for officers to monitor, to listen, to watch, to observe, but certainly to avoid conflict for anybody looking for conflict from either rally? Yeah, absolutely. And it depends on the situation, the mood, the type of event and what the issue is. But but the Toronto police are highly trained for all three levels, whether it's a passive and active or an aggressive type of protest. In, in this particular case, what was good is you never want to be the story. When the police are the story, that's when you're in trouble. 
So that's where the training comes in. That's where the coordinated effort comes in. And make no mistake about it. The police that you saw were there because the police wanted you to see them. They wanted you to see that they have a plan and it's in place and it's coordinated. But behind the scenes, the levels of escalation are always there to collapse or to scale up if necessary and in a minute's notice. Really difficult, isn't it, to police words? Uh, I I would bet you it's more difficult than ever, Mark. What are sort of the do's and don'ts for an officer on the scene, um, you know, listening and and sort of defining what what speech needs to be addressed and what speech you let go? Yeah, and and, and when to deal with it. That's key as well, too. And and so, yay technology and, and how things have improved right now. So, if people are saying things that, that uh, do not comply with the rule of law, make no mistake, they will be arrested. It doesn't have to be right there, but they will be arrested. And, and so how that is done really is by utilizing uh, the public, because first off, if, if you're, this is not done in a vacuum, and if you're going to be uh, promoting hate speech or causing it that, um, it will be recorded, it will be sent to the police, and the police will act on it. And the photos and the video and the clarity of the video really does pose itself a good case, but the police have to work with the Attorney General uh, for all of those moving parts to, to lay uh, a charge. Mark Saunders, our guest on Toronto Today, 640 Toronto. These feel like a, an important next few days, regardless of opinion of the conflict, ideology of, of, of where people stem from. These feel like a few days to, how would I put it, keep a lid on either either protests that are respectful, debate that is engaging and respectful as well. Once something gets out of the box, it's hard to put it back in. Yeah, it is. And and it doesn't just stop after protest yeah, as chief. And, you know, Chief MQ is very good at this job. He will know that the unit commanders in each division would know what spots in their divisions would need a little bit more attention and to make sure that the frontline men and women, um, you know, just heighten their awareness in those areas and then that they see things that need to be dealt with. Do it at its, you know, at its lowest level before things escalate is the best way to go about moving ahead. Mark Saunders, our guest on Toronto Today. You're joining us tomorrow for Think Tank. Thank you so much for your uh, perspective this morning. I hope you had a great holiday weekend. We appreciate you coming on this morning. Thanks, Greg. Take care. Mark Saunders. Uh, that's interesting stuff right there. Um, how to manage it, because I think there were people woke up that woke up yesterday a little tense about where it was all going to go. And uh, and they may still be. These may not be the last demonstrations. The, these may not be the last marches, the last rallies. If looking at other major cities around the world is any indication. And again, there's a way to do this. There's a way to do this properly with civil discourse. And I hope we can. It's a good start yesterday to be perfectly honest about it.